Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Everyday Truth. We are in Revelation chapter 5, and we're talking about the one who is worthy to open the scroll. Uh, I love that, uh, I don't know if you've heard it, that Andrew Peterson song, um, Is He Worthy? He Is. If you've never heard that song, wow, what a great song. And I, I found myself humming it uh, yesterday after the, uh, after the, the, the Bible study here. But we're in the most exciting part of it because we haven't found out yet who's worthy, and we're going to find that out today. And I love the way this unfolds. So Revelation chapter 5, and look, if you would, at verse number 5. So Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 5, uh, where the Bible says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Now, isn't it interesting that it was one of the 24 elders that said to John, don't be sad, don't, don't weep. So another man, redeemed in heaven, says to John, who's there as a visitor, right? He has been caught up in his spirit, don't weep. Here's what we know. Look at verse number five. Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Remember Judah, one of the sons of Jacob, was... Uh, in, in Jacob's final words, remember he said something, he, he pronounced a blessing on each one of his sons. Remember there in Genesis chapter 49, how he talked about Judah and that lion. And Jesus is from the tribe of Judah, a lion of the tribe of Judah. It's one of the, it's one of the titles for Messiah. So when the elder said to John, don't weep, the lion of the tribe of Judah, what's he doing? He's pointing all the way back to the book of Genesis. He's pointing all the way back to the patriarchs. He's pointing all the way back to the promises that God had made thousands of years before that are real and vibrant and alive and fresh on that very day. Never buy into this notion that just because something hasn't happened today or tomorrow, that that means that somehow God has forgotten. Remember, the Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God has reasons for his delays, and God's timetable is not ours. And I find it very interesting that when Jesus comes on the scene to read this scroll, he comes on the scene at just the right hour, just the right time. God's never late. He's never early. And the way he's introduced is as that Messiah who is introduced all the way at the beginning. That's why the Bible sometimes is called the redemptive narrative of God. Why? Because from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the book that we're in, the story has been about Jesus. The story has been about God's plan to rescue man through the mediatorship of his son, the Messiah, the Christ, uh, the Lord Jesus himself. 
What a, what a great drama that is. History is his story. We all know that. And the Bible says in John 5, 39, Jesus said this about himself, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So what is the Bible all about? The Bible's all about Jesus. It's about the redemption that we, that we have in him. And here on the grand stage of heaven, in the very throne room of heaven, uh, the, 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 the epicenter uh, of the universe, we find the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah entering. But, but watch what else it says. I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse number five. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David. So now we go from the uh, patriarchs to the time of the kings, the time of the monarchy, another name for Jesus, the root of David. Uh, the, the, and by the way, that, that term, root of David, was used by, specifically of, by Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 11. So not only does this cover the time of the patriarchs and the time of the monarchy, but really because Isaiah wrote about it, the time of the prophets, Isaiah wrote in the 700s B.C., uh, the Bible says, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book. So there's the worthy one. The worthy one is Messiah himself, the only one worthy. Look at verse number five again. He is worthy to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Verse number six. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. Now, does that seem like a little bit of a non sequitur to you? Because think about it. Here's John weeping. Here's John just absolutely beside himself because this scroll has been offered. Uh, this, this will, this testament of God. And nobody can read it. Nobody can open it. Nobody is worthy. Uh, the summons has gone throughout all the world, heaven and hell and earth itself, and nobody is found worthy. And John is completely crestfallen by this. And one elder says to him, no, there is one worthy. There's one that has prevailed. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's the root of David. It's Messiah himself. John would know. And if anybody knew Jesus, John knew Jesus. Right, He laid his head upon his breast. I mean, John knew Jesus. So this must have caused great excitement. And he's going to see the lion. He's going to see the root of David, David the king. And when he looks, what does he see? He sees a lamb. Isn't that odd? He was introduced as a lion. He was introduced as a king. But when he looks and sees... He sees a lamb. You can't have a more defenseless creature than a lamb. A lamb is known for, its, for, for being docile. A, a lamb is known for being uh, vulnerable. A lamb is known as one needing protection. And the Bible says here he stands as a lamb, but not just any old lamb. Look at verse number six. And the Bible says... In the midst of the throne of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, center stage, a lamb as it had been slain. So think about it. 
the lamb is standing. So certainly the lamb is alive. It's not like a, it's a dead lamb lying on its side. No, it's a lamb standing, but it's standing as if it had been slain. So there, there are, there's evidence to the way this lamb appears that while it's alive, it has been slain. So it's living with the symbols of death, almost like Jesus showing his nail scars or showing the wound in his side to, to Thomas, right? And so here's this lamb uh, as it had been slain. And then the Bible says, having seven horns. Well, that's odd. So a typical lamb doesn't have seven horns. So obviously this is symbol. So a lamb that has seven horns. Then the Bible says, and seven eyes. And we know the number seven uh, all throughout the book of Revelation and really throughout the Bible speaks of God, speaks of perfection, speaks specifically here of the spirit of God. And how do we know that? Because the Bible says that. Seven horns, seven eyes. Then the Bible says in verse number six, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. So what do we see? Well, we, we see omnipotence, right? We see omnipotence, the, the seven horns. A horn in the Bible symbolized power. Uh, remember Zechariah's prophecy about the four horns and Zechariah's prophecy about the coming Messiah, the, the Messiah of power. So here is a lamb, but not a defenseless lamb, not a docile lamb, a lamb that's been slain. So certainly a sacrificial lamb, a lamb that has affected redemption's price in that sense, but a lamb that is powerful, the seven horns, all powerful, seven. And then a lamb that is omniscient, eyes that speak to understanding and to, to seeing, uh, to knowing and so a lamb that is all-powerful, omnipotent, a lamb that is all-knowing, omniscient, and then a lamb that, had, that represents the seven spirits that go into all the earth, omnipresent. These are characteristics of only God. So we're seeing the triune God again, aren't we? Why? Because we're in the throne room, there's God. Uh, we see the Son of God who has emerged, the Lamb of God, and then we see the Spirit of God represented, and all of them separate, but one, co-equal, co-eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. What a great picture of God. And what a great specific picture of the person of Christ, of Messiah, this Lamb. Was it not John the Baptist that said of Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He was introduced in his messianic role by his forerunner as a lamb. Remember what the apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth? Said that even Christ, that's Messiah, our Passover is sacrificed for us. He is Passover, the lamb. He is the lamb slain for us, the lamb slain. So what do we see? We see so much in this passage. We see redemption. But yet we see also the, the, the eminency of God. It's, it must have been a colossal scene for John to see all of this. Uh, one more verse I think we'll have time for. Look at verse number seven. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat 
upon the throne. The son came and took the scroll from the father. Why? Because he is the one that is worthy. Why? Because he fulfilled the father's plan. He paid the price of redemption. He has the power. He has the knowledge. He has the, 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 the worthiness to do what nobody else could do. That's why it's so important when we talk to people about salvation that we point only to Jesus. Why? Because we can only be made worthy by one who is worthy. And Jesus was the one as the Lamb of God that took our place. He was worthy. He was spotless. He was sinless, just like that lamb was required to be. Not just on the outside, but also on the inside. As the priest would slay that lamb, and the blood of that lamb would be spilled, and that lamb would be offered instead of, in the stead of, the people, so that when the people put their faith and trust in what that blood represented, in what that blood was, the very life of that lamb, that the life of that lamb then became the life of the one who by faith received it. And the sinlessness of that lamb became the imputed sinlessness, the imputed righteousness of the one who by faith accepted the mediatorship of what that lamb offered. What a picture. Now, it gets better. Why? Because when the lamb comes, the lion of the tribe of Judah, when he makes his entrance on center stage, when John sees him, the one in his power, in his omniscience, in his omnipresence, when he sees him, then a great angelic and human choir all together breaks out. And what a song they sang. And we're going to hear that song one day. We won't hear it in tomorrow's uh, podcast, but we'll talk about it. So I want you to come back. We're going to jump right into Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 8. Hope you'll be here. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.